Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Once again, we want to say welcome to our service this morning. We trust that the Lord himself will speak to us at the very point of our needs this morning in Jesus' name. Now, last week we started a new series on the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at John chapter 15 where Jesus talked about the relationship between the vine and the branch. Okay, We saw the three very important relationships that we saw in the first eight verses of that particular chapter. And the first relationship that we saw is the relationship of survival, the survival relationship. In John chapter 15, reading from verse number 2, the Bible says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. In other words, your survival is a function of your productivity. This is not only true in the physical, it is true in the spiritual. If you cannot produce in the physical as a business or as an organization, you go out of business. That's right. The same thing spiritually, if you are not able, if you are not productive as a Christian. The Bible says that, he said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Lord does what? The Lord chop it away. He cuts it off. Stop taking up space. That is the idea. So, the first relationship we saw in the vine-branch relationship is the relationship of survival. The survival relationship. Number two, we saw what is called the connectivity relationship. In other words, in verse number four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, for you to continue to be productive, for you to continue to have some for you to continue to make impact, for you to be able to do what you have been designed to do, you need to stay connected. In other words, your connectivity, your productivity, sorry, is a function of your connectivity. How you are, how productive you are is a function of what you are connected to. You're connected to a life source, you will begin to produce life. You are connected to a source of debt, you continue to produce debt. The same thing in the business. If you are connected to the wrong source of customers, to the wrong source of suppliers, you die. The business goes out. So the idea is that number one is a a survival relationship. Number two is the connectivity relationship. Number three is what we see as the abiding relationship. The Lord is telling us in verse number six of John chapter 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and he withers. In other words, the fact that you have been connected yesterday does not assure your connectivity today. Your productivity yesterday is not a function of your productivity tomorrow. What you do in the kingdom of God yesterday, what you did yesterday, what you did a year before, what you did a month before, is not a function of what you are going to do in the future. You have to continue to abide. So productivity survival number one. 
Number two is is connectivity. Number three is the abiding relationship. And that's why he tells us there that anyone who does not abide. In other words, you were connected to me yesterday, but today you are no longer connected. The Bible says he is casted out. And they do what? They wither. And if you read that same verse continuously, the Bible now tells us that that person becomes what? It's not gathered. And men gather them up and they what? They throw them in the fire. In other words, you become useless. We will not be useless in Jesus' name. But if you look at verse number 15, John chapter 15, verse, sorry, John chapter 15, verse number 7, I mean. In verse number 7, the Bible says, If you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The interesting thing in the church is that we have now reversed that verse. That if I ask what I want, and you do it for me, then I will abide in you, and you will abide in me. That is the way we read the scriptures now. And that is why you see people pray, and they say, Lord, if you bless me, I will come to church. Lord, if you, if you give me this, I will come to church. You are reversing that verse of the scripture. The Bible says that first of all, you will abide. And the word of God abides in you. Then you will ask. Then you will get. But if you want to get before you abide, you are simply wasting your time. So, but that tells us one thing. I remember last week we were talking about this particular verse and we said, your ability to abide in the presence of the Lord determines your access to the treasures of heaven. How well you are able to remain in the presence of the Almighty God determines the tre- how the, 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 the access to the treasures of heaven you have. Your ability to abide in the presence of the Almighty God determines what heaven will entrust into your care. How well you are able to stand in His presence. How well you are able to remain in His presence will determine what God will release into your care and give unto you. How well you are able to abide in the presence of the Almighty God determines what God reveals and what God withholds. How well you are able to stand in His presence will determine what God will open your eyes to see or what God will shut your eyes from seeing. Because God will not reveal unto you the deep secrets of the kingdom if you do not abide in his presence. If you cannot abide in his presence, if you cannot spend time in his presence, why would he reveal the deep things of the spirit unto you? It's the same thing in the physical. Why would you tell somebody a secret? Why would you tell somebody the deep secrets of your life when that person is not even close to you? Nobody does that. Except of course, well, that's the story for another day. (laughs) But the ability to abide in the presence of the Almighty God determines what heaven will reveal unto you. A typical example is found in the book of Genesis. The Bible told us that God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was living inside Sodom and Gomorrah. God did not even bother to talk to him. But God went outside of Sodom and Gomorrah to go and talk to Abraham. The same thing. What you have access to in the, in the in the kingdom of God. The treasures that are open unto you. The things that God will reveal unto you is a function of how long and how well you remain in his presence. Yeah. My brothers and sisters, what you will find is this. The key that opens the treasures of heaven operate a very simple process. And that simple principle is the principle of reciprocity. The simple principle of reciprocity. In other words, you do something and God responds. You don't do anything, God does not do anything. He said, if you abide in Christ, and Christ abides in you, that is when you will ask, and then God will answer. If you refuse to abide, and you don't allow God to abide in you, you can ask all you want. You can cry all you want. You can shout all you want. There will be nothing. 
I tell you, if crying were the one that brings answer, a lot of people would have gotten their answers. But it is not about crying. It is about obeying the simple principle of reciprocity. The Bible tells us in James chapter 8, oh sorry, James chapter 4, reading from verse number 8, it says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. It's this principle of reciprocity. If you don't draw near, he will not draw near. Okay? If you don't draw near, he will not draw near. If you don't move closer to him, he will not move closer to you. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, the Bible says, call upon me, I will answer. If we don't call, he will not answer. In the book of J, in the book of Joshua chapter one, the Bible says, "Everywhere the sum of your feet shall tread upon, there I will give unto you." You don't tread upon anything; He doesn't give you anything. Right. It's not because He doesn't like your face; it's just not because He doesn't like you. It's just the principle of reciprocity. Heaven operates a simple process. Until you move, nothing happens. Until you call, there will be no response. Until you, until God spoke, even God obeys this law Himself. The Bible tells in the book of Genesis chapter 1 that in the beginning, what happened? There was a lot of void. There was darkness and void upon the face of the earth, upon the face of the universe. Until God spoke, nothing happened. The Bible said, let there be light. And that was when light came. Until God acted, nothing happened. The same thing, until you step up and do something, nothing will happen. The question now is that we are talking about the relationship between the vine and the branches. The question now is that how is that relationship started? Because God will not just have give you and say, okay, today you are going to be born again. Whether you like it or not, you must be born again. Ah, you must be born again. Oh. Eh? You, ah, you, you must be born again. God does not operate like that. God is a perfect gentleman. The vine does not say to the branch, you, you branch, you must be part of me. No. There has to be that particular relationship. So how do you build that relationship? How does the relationship, the vine branch relationship, how does it start? The vine branch literally starts by you seeking the Lord. Because you have to be connected to Him. If you are not connected to Him, the life that flows from God will not flow through you. Until you are connected to God, you cannot abide in Him. And that's why today we are looking at not just the connected life, but the fruit that flows out of that connected life. When you are connected to God, what kind of fruit flows out of your life? What kind of fruit comes out of your life through that particular connection? Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse number 12. The Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. In other words, at salvation, when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, something happened. There was a movement. There was a movement from a particular kingdom to another kingdom. There was a translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of God himself. God moved you, changed your nationality, changed your status from being somebody who is outside of his kingdom to being a member, a partaker of that particular kingdom. In 2 Corinthians, God did not just transfer us there. God did not just transfer us into his kingdom now. But in 2 Corinthians, he did something else. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from number 5. The Bible says, He now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. In other words, God is not just saying, I'm taking you from the kingdom of darkness. I'm bringing you into my own kingdom. But I'm going to give you a guarantee that you are no longer in that particular kingdom. You are now, you now belong to me. I'm going to give you a guarantee. And that guarantee is the spirit of God. 
And that's why the Bible tells us that anyone who is born of God has the Spirit of God in him. As soon as you are born again, the Spirit of God Almighty already dwells in you because God gives you that Spirit as an assurance, as a guarantee that yes, you belong to me. For those of us who watch some of the, uh, the cattle shows, you will notice that every cattle that is bought is branded. Okay, they brand that particular cattle with the logo or the seal of the ranch that owns that cattle. The reason is to say, now you belong to me. The way God brands you, the way God brands me, when we come into his kingdom, is he gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit. Now, as you grow in your relationship with the Almighty God, as you grow in your walk with Him, as you begin to move closer to Him and begin to do your daily exercise in your in your walk with the Almighty God, what happens is that the Spirit that God has deposited in you, that Spirit continues to grow also. Okay? That which is deposited in you at salvation grows in you until Christ is formed in you. And that's why you will notice that when you were when you were first born again, if you are the rascally type, you will notice that some of the rascal attitudes start falling off. Some of the things you say start falling off. Some of your attitudes start going away. Some of the behavior you used to have start going away. And before you know it, you will see that your life now begins to take a complete U-turn. You begin to live a new life. So you begin to see the nature and the character of Christ being manifested in your life. His personality starts showing up in your personality. His life starts becoming your life. His character starts becoming your character. People begin to see Christ in you. Everybody knows that Christ is loving. They begin to see the loving nature of Christ being manifested in you. They know that Christ is gentle. They know that Christ is long-suffering. They know that Christ is kind. They begin to see God's spirit reveal this character and attribute in your life. That is what that spirit does in you. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimonies were in, were in, were in Moses' hand. And when he, came down to, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that his skin, the skin of his face, shone while he talked with them. Verse number 30. So when Aaron and the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near. Why was the skin of Moses shining? Forty days in the presence of the Almighty God. 40 days of interacting with the Almighty God. 40 days of exchanging, of having a dialogue with the Almighty God where God was giving him the testimonies and giving him the laws that will govern his people. After 40 days of close walking with the Lord, what happened? The nature of God began to reflect upon him. So that when he came out, what you see is that you begin to see the glory of God upon his life that he himself did not even know that the glory was there. It was the people that were touching him, the people that were encountering him, the people that were having dialogue with him. They began to say, something is different about this guy. This man is now glowing because the glory of the Almighty God is upon his life. The question that we ask is this, how then do you go? How is the image of Christ formed in you? How is the image of Christ formed in you? The image of Christ is formed in you when you abide in his presence. When you spend time in his word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time listening to what the Spirit has to say. You spend time understanding what the Spirit is saying. You spend time obeying the word of the Almighty God. You spend time releasing yourself to the control and the leading of the Spirit of God. Before you know what is happening, people will look at you and say, His skin is glowing. Because the nature of Christ is being rubbed off and you have spent time in His presence. Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse number 20. Matthew 7, reading from verse 20. The Bible tells us, Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Yeah. In other words, how do you know that the image of Christ is formed in you? 
by your fruits. The way you live on a daily basis. The way you interact on a daily basis. The way you communicate with people. In the place of work, outside of the place of work. What you do when nobody is around. What you do when people are listening. There was a particular movie that I saw. He said, you know a man's character by the way he treats the people he doesn't have to be nice to. By the way you treat people that you are not supposed to be nice to. Those are the way you begin to see. That is when you see. Those are the kind of fruits that we are saying. So, how do you know that you have grown the fruit? You know it because you know it by the fruit that you produce. In other words, you will know those who are growing in the spirit by the kind of fruit they produce. Mm -hmm. Another question comes to mind. What is the kind of fruit that a mature Christian produces? What kind of fruit does a mature Christian produce? Because we hear about the fruit that you have to be like Christ. What kind of fruit are they supposed to produce? Galatians chapter 5. I'm reading from verse number 22. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is number one, love. Number two, joy. Number two, three, peace. Number four, long-suffering. Number five, gentleness. Number six, goodness. Number seven, faith. Number eight, meekness. Number nine, temperance. And the Bible now added a statement to that verse of the scripture. It says, against these kinds of fruits, against these kinds of attitude, against this kind of behavior, against this kind of character, against this kind of outlook in life, there is no law. There is no law against love. There is no law against joy. Nobody can say, okay, we legislate today, you must have 50% of joy and 30% of, <laughs> of peace. Nobody can make that kind of law. Okay? And that's why some people have divided a very cute way by saying that you cannot legislate morality. You cannot legislate this kind of things. The Bible says, against such, there is no law. Now, from this verse of the scripture, we see a list of the character that a spirit-filled believer is supposed to exhibit on a normal daily basis. Or it's supposed to be flowing through you. It's supposed to be something that comes out naturally. Not something that has to be forced. You don't have to force peace. You don't have to force joy. You don't have to force your endurance. It has to be something that just flows through you. Okay? But I want you, before we begin to look at those fruits, I want you to notice that same chapter of the Bible. Galatians chapter 5. I want you to notice it very, very clearly. You will notice that Paul the Apostle gave us two types of lists in that chapter of the Bible. He gave us two types of lists. Okay, he gave the list in verse 22. Before he gave us the list in verse 22, he already gave us another list in verse number 19. He gave us a list in verse number 19. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse number 19, Paul gave us a list of fruit that a life without Christ will exhibit. So he gave us two things so that we can compare. He gave us a life without Christ, the fruit that they produce, and the one that is with Christ, the kind of fruit that they produce. And he referred to the one that is without Christ as the work of the flesh, and the one that is produced by Christian as the work, as the fruit of the spirit. What are the things that are the fruit of the flesh? Okay? What are these things? Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse number 19. He said, now the work of the flesh, the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? They are adultery. Yeah. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Idol uh, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy. The list keep going on. Envy, murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. In other words, there are so many of it that it be, the apostles stopped listing them. There were so many. That he stopped at one point in time. But the point he's making is this. Paul is basically saying that there are two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. And these two kinds of people produce two types of fruits. 
Okay? Looking at the list, you can tell which group belongs to which particular fruit or which fruit belongs to which particular group and which, you know, the, the one that does not belong. And that is why Jesus said that by their fruit you will know them because the kind of person you are determines the kind of fruit that you produce. And note, the interesting thing about these two sets of fruit is that they have some commonality. There are some common elements about them. There are some common things about them. And the first common thing that you find about the two of them is that they originate from within. Both fruits. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. They originate from within. The Bible tells in the book of Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 34, he said, you brood of vipers, talking to the, 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 the spiritual leaders of those days, he said, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? It's an aberration, it's not possible. Inside of you there is evil, how then can you begin to speak good? For, for out, of the abundance of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus understood that both the fruits and both with the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, they originate from the hearts. And if your heart is evil, it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, for you to be able to speak good. And that is why he's saying that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Number two thing that you find out about these two things is number one is that both reflection, both reflect what is going on inside the individual. Not only is it originated from the inside, it reflects what is happening inside the individual's heart. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 6, Luke 6 verse 45, it says, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart, bring forth good. Okay? In other words, there is something good that is going on inside your heart already, and that is why you bring forth food. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart, bring forth evil. So... Both of them are a, a, a reflection of what is going on on the inside. Both of them are produced over time. Both of them are produced over time. People don't become crazy. People don't become wicked. People don't become uh, malicious. People don't become unloving. People don't become uh, unhappy overnight. It's a culmination of so many things that happen. And you don't begin to see confidence and joy and, 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 and a peace in the Holy Spirit overnight also. It's something that takes time. So both of them are produced over time. And both of them represent... Who the individual is connected to. Both of them represent who the individuals are connected to. In John chapter 8, reading from verse number 44, the Bible tells us something. Say, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks... You know, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. So, the way you live tells us who you are connected to. We might say that, yes, we are Christian. Yes, we are born again. Yes, we are going to heaven. But if everything in our life speaks otherwise, it tells us either we are connected, either we don't know what we are talking about, or we have met the wrong Jesus. Yeah. Because you cannot meet the right Jesus and be living a life that is completely opposed to what he stands for. So, both of them represent, you know, both of them represent what the individuals are connected to. So, what then is the fruit of the Spirit? What then is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is the result of the Holy Spirit's presence in the life of a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's presence in our individual life. The presence of the Holy Spirit is supposed to create, is supposed to build the image of Christ in us. 
Okay? So I want you to notice a few things about the spirit of the, the, the fruit of the spirit. Number one is that the fruit of the spirit is not in is not instantaneous. The fruit of the spirit is not instantaneous. That you are born again today, tomorrow you start living a holy life. You have your you have your shirt up, buttoned up. You are all looking good. It doesn't happen overnight. Here you are. You got born again at the age of thirty. For thirty years you've had some crazy behaviors. For thirty years you have developed some terrible habits. For 30 years, you have been living a life anyhow. No control. You don't even know what the voice of the Lord God Almighty sounds like. All of a sudden, you came to a revival meeting. You are born again. And as soon as you are born again, the next thing, the church expects you now to be start behaving anyhow. You start behaving like this. And that's why we have a lot of hypocrites in the church. Yeah. Because they want to live up to an image. The fruit of the Spirit is not instantaneous. If you plant an orange tree today, if you go by there tomorrow and you see the and you see oranges on that tree, something has happened. It's either you are watching Disney Channel. Most likely you are watching Disney Channel because it doesn't work like that. That's right. It doesn't work like that. The fruit of the spirit is not instantaneous. The fruit of the spirit is tested in difficult situations. You say you are loving, fine. Come and work for the people I work for. Then you will know that your loving will be tested. Go and enter the public transportation where I come from. You will know that the fruit of the Spirit will be tested. The fruit of the Spirit is tested in difficult situations. You cannot show it if you don't have it. That's true. If you don't have love, you can't show it. You can fake it, but it will not last. If you don't show it, if you don't have it. And the results, it is the result of your life in Christ. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Because, because you are connected to Him, that's why you are able to produce it. And it grows as you exercise it. You don't exercise love, it doesn't grow. You don't exercise peace, it doesn't grow. You don't exercise patience, it doesn't grow. Endurance, unless you practice it, it will never grow. It will just remain there. You have the potential, but you have to exercise it for you to grow. There are several misconceptions about the fruit of the Spirit. There are several misconceptions about the fruit of the Spirit. One of them I will address very, very deeply. And that is that the fruit of the Spirit is associated with the gift of the Spirit. There are two separate things. Two separate things. The fruit of the Spirit is not the gift of the Spirit. There are two different things. It has nothing to do with your talents. It has nothing to do with your disposition. There are some people who are naturally gentle. Naturally gentle. So when they become Christian, you see them gentle. You see them gentle. You think they are gentle until you do something that will test that gentility. That's when you will know that your behavior, your natural, your natural inclination, your natural tendency is not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not. You cannot pick and choose which spirit you want to exhibit and which one you don't exhibit. Ah, the fact that I'm a Christian doesn't mean you can be slapping me around. No, no that's not going to happen. Jesus said, turn your, you know, turn it, uh, when they slap you on the right, turn your left. That is in the Old Testament. That is in the days of Jesus. This is 2016. You can't slap me around. <laughs> you know, so you cannot pick and choose which one you want to take and which one you don't want to take. The fruit of the Spirit comes through the life of a believer. The fact that you demonstrate the gift of the Spirit does not mean you automatically have the fruit of the Spirit. The fact that you can speak in tongues, the fact that you can do miracles, the fact that you demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost does not mean you have the Spirit of the Almighty God. And that is why you see great ministers of God do some funky, funky things. It's not because they are not saved. It's just because they have had that, there's a misunderstanding that when you have the gifts of the Spirit, you automatically have the fruit. It doesn't automatically translate. It doesn't. Okay? It is not an extension of your personality, like I said the other time. Okay, it is not the you know, it is not that solitary, holier than thou. That okay, you walk around, you don't talk to anybody. They just say you can't even speak up. That is not 
the gift of the Spirit. Sorry, that is not the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? You cannot produce it through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like I said. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is intended, intended for two things. It's intended for witness, it's intended for service. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is intended for daily living. Two separate things. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is a result of your sustained work with the Almighty God. Just like we said, Moses spent time in the presence of the Almighty God and the image of God and the glory of God reflected through him. The more you spend in the time of the Almighty God, the more you, the more you, are, you walk, consistently walk with him, the more the image and the character of God will be reflected in you. But the gift of the Spirit is received through faith and through prayer. It's a gift. The Lord releases it upon you, regardless of whether you are whether you you you, you maintain a close communion or not. He, re- he releases it upon you, and that's why you can see people go into a crusade, and the may, the power of the Almighty God is heavy on that particular crusade that day. And the man of God will say, "Lift up your hands and receive the Spirit of God." And you lift up your hand, and he say, "Receive it," and the Spirit of God falls upon you, and you begin to speak in tongues there and there. It's not because you are you are not you don't get angry. It's not because you don't get you you are always very patient. No. It's the gift of God. So there's a difference between the two of them. And there are so many Christians who believe that because they have the power of the Holy Ghost, they are now okay. Everything is fine. Everything is not fine. You have to consistently check your walk with the Almighty God and your communion with Him. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, We thank you for listening.